0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Patriots Report. My name is Christopher Price of the Boston Globe. In this week's edition of the Patriots Report, we're going to re- revisit Sunday's ugly loss to the Saints, a 2013 13 defeat with Kyrie Thompson, who covers the Patriots for Boston.com. You can read his stuff there on DDC. You can also follow him on Twitter at KD Thompson Five. So summarize this one for me, Kyrie. Give me your initial thoughts on this loss to New Orleans.
1: Absolutely, Chris, and thanks for having me. Uh, honestly, my my the, the first thing that comes into my mind is the quote from Jonathan Jones after the game, where basically he said this game is was a reality check for us that you know we need to figure out who we want to be. And I'm thinking to myself when when do we really associate the patriots with a team that doesn't know what they are you know or a team that needs to do this kind of this this uh you know soul searching you know what you i know. mean even last year i feel like you know people knew what that team was they were offensively challenged you know they were they were gonna you know try to play defense and and you know just rely on cam newton to pull something out of a hat you know what what have you but right now it it Everything they did this offseason was, you know, to to build this identity, to get back to the two tight end system, to run the ball, to reestablish some level of that defensive excellence they had a couple of years ago. And it's like through this game, you know, really just raised a lot of questions like, are the Patriots who they think they are? Because this was this wasn't just poor execution. It also just looked like poor preparation poor coaching sloppy all the way around and that is very concerning for a team that i i think imagine themselves in a position where you know we're gonna go with mac jones who's gonna take care of the football and you know we're gonna stay in games and you know we have a shot at making the playoffs and i feel like you're looking at this team right now like is is that really who you think you are still
0: yeah yeah no that's true that's true i I will say this today for for most of the first three plus quarters, I thought the defense played relatively well and I'm putting on my quote fingers here when I say relatively well but the offense really did them no favors the early picks they, they they really didn't set them up for success but the Saints only had that one long drive in the early going of course but the defense could only ultimately hold together for so long they ended up giving up that late touchdown What are some of your thoughts on the defensive side of the ball and where they are right now? It's interesting
1: because you know again like we heard, um, you know, Devon Godshaw and, and you know, several of the, the front seven guys say that, you know, there was so much emphasis on stopping the run, stop the run, have fun. Well, they gave up 150 yards plus to a Jets team with no running backs you've ever heard of. And then this week they followed that up with 143 yards given up to Alvin Kamara and the Saints. And, you know, even though they, they did a, a decent job on Kamara, I mean, there, there were moments where, they were just getting zone runs to death. Where I, at one point I, I turned to Tara Sullivan, and I was just like, Kamara could have run through two holes on that play." I mean, he had his pick of the litter, and and so I think that there. And, and, and you know, another thing I just thought of, I didn't notice Dante Hightower at all yeah. in this game. Yeah, and and I think it was just because he was getting blocked constantly. I mean, those those you know Saints offensive linemen were getting up to the seven level, the second level. They were doing a great job. Um, that said, I think that if you want to look for bright spots, you have the fact that you know Dietrich Wise Jr. played pretty well today. I thought he was one of the better players on the field for them. Matthew Judon continued to be productive. He should have had more sacks than the two and a half he had, mm-hmm. but he was pretty solid. Um, Kyle Duggar had some good moments, and, and generally the secondary. Wasn't bad. I think that that was a concern heading into this year a little bit, um, because you didn't have Stephon Gilmore in the lineup. But I think that all things considered, they haven't been that bad. There, there were you know a busted coverage or two in the beginning where I thought somebody got wide open, and then obviously they let you know Alvin Kamara stroll into the end zone, which is something that should never happen. But all things considered, that secondary has been better than I thought, and the defense has shown that. As you mentioned, they're tough. They're not going to uh, you know, break all the time, but mm-hmm. they need help.
0: Yeah, yeah, they, they, they really do. I will say this also, and this is more from a team perspective right now. This feels like a bit of a situation where they might be asking more of Mac Jones than he's capable of delivering, at least at this stage of his career. Not saying he couldn't eventually lead them back. From this sort of deficit a year, two years, three years down the road, but right now he needs more around him than what he got on Sunday. That's not to say that he wasn't at fault. Just saying that if you roll with a rookie quarterback, you have to do everything you can do to set him up for success. And they just didn't do that against New Orleans.
1: That that is a perfect point. And I actually, I I wrote this after the game. You know, you're not losing games because of Mac Jones right now. He's generally taking care of the ball. I mean, he had two picks today. One of them, he was getting hit. The other one was not his fault at all. That was Johnny e. Smith fumbling it into Malcolm Jenkins' hands. But generally, you're not losing games because of Mac Jones. But you're not going to win a lot of games right now because of him either. Yeah. He's just not at that point in his career. And that's okay. And, and this was part of the whole calculus of, as you mentioned, starting a rookie quarterback. They knew that this was going to be the case, that things had to, you had to support him and, and allow him to develop, and that you couldn't just put this all on him right now. Unfortunately, that's what it's feeling like. I mean, he, he took seven of the 11 hits. I mean, he, first of all, taking double digit hits in a game is not what you want for a quarterback, especially not your rookie quarterback. Mm-hmm. Seven of those 11 hits came in the first half. And I think, unfortunately, what we're seeing is the offensive line, for whatever reason, you know, communication issues or you know, what have you, they're not doing a great job, even when it's just a four-man rush, of keeping him clean. And then when there are blitzes, they're allowing you know, clean shots on him as he's trying to step up in the pocket. Then there are moments where your, your wide receivers you know, just aren't quite getting open, though I think that they've probably been better overall than perhaps we expected coming into the season. And then you have the drops. You know, Jonu Smith had three of them today. As you mentioned, I mean, you can't, you can't fail a rookie quarterback and expect anything good to come of it. Mac Jones has done a great job of standing up to the adversity that he's been through. I thought that he, he developed a little bit in terms of being more aggressive today t- trying to take advantage of more of those one-on-one matchups down the field when the Saints blitz. The touchdown that he threw to Kendrick Bourne was a good example. He knew he was going to get blitzed. He just put it up there for Bourne to make a play, and he did. So there are little bits of growth even amid the chaos. But if you want more growth, then allow him to operate under less chaos.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's a great way to put it. I'm wondering how much you bring up the offensive line situation, and I'm wondering how much of it is, and I don't want to call it a domino effect, but because of the loss of Trent Brown, maybe some of the guys along the offensive line are being asked to do a little bit more than they would do traditionally. What happens? I mean, what, what do they do going forward now? If, if Trent Brown is out for another week, two weeks, three weeks, what's the situation there? Well,
1: I'll say this, you know, so coming into this game, the person who, who had really seemed to struggle the most actually on the offensive line is actually Isaiah Wynn. You know, he had seven pressures given up coming into this game and like a third of all the pressures, that had given up more than either Yasir Durant, you know, and Justin Haran combined. And so it's like, it's not just the right side at the same time. I think this is the point where you really have to think about what your best offensive line group is. And I keep on hearing it. And it might be worth checking out, putting Michael on back at right tackle and letting Teddy Karras come in at, at left guard, because you can depend on Ted Karras. And, on one who showed that he could handle right guard or he could handle right tackle just fine last year. And I, he's just a better offensive lineman than either Durant or Haran. So I I don't want to pin it all on them, of course, but at this point, you got to put your best lineup on the field, especially when you have a front coming up in, in, in the bucks, they blitz more than any team in the league. So you need to have that, that straightened out. So I, I would be very curious to see if we're finally going to see them bend a little bit with that because what they've gotten from the right tackle spot with Trent Brown out has just not been good enough.
0: I think the biggest worry in that situation would be something happening to Karis because he's not hes not one of your best offensive linemen, but he's probably your most versatile, at least at this point, or one of your most versatile offensive linemen. I, I've always long maintained that you need guys like – Ted Karras on your offensive line if you're going to want to win football games, because it can play a lot of positions. He's cost effective. He's a good locker room guy. He checks a lot of the boxes, but, but it, it is, it's going to be interesting to see that, you know, if they make that decision to kind of shuffle things up, who ends up where.
1: Yeah. And, and you, I think the other thing, right. In, in regards to that is you could also have, you know, James Ferentz, right. So he's, yeah. he's also yeah. in the mix there. So Um, you know, he's insurance for, for Karis, but that is a good point because I mean, there, there were moments where, you know, in, in training camp where Karis wasn't around and then you had to have a little bit of shuffling, whether it was Alex Redman or, or, you know, Ference kind of stepping in. And I felt like there was a drop-off there because, you know, Karis is such a good super sub interior guy. Um, I, I feel like, you know, I would feel good about trusting him to, to step up there and, and that I think that he's played with all of these guys, so he knows, you know, how, how the communication works. And, and maybe he works a little bit better with Isaiah Wynn and gives him some of that help in terms of, you know, when, when guys are coming at you, when they're looping, when you're stunting, you know, you know that at least one guy knows who he's taking.
0: What happens to this offense if James White isn't able to go for the next, you know, however long? I mean, if this hip thing ends up being a long term thing, short term thing, whatever the case may be, let's just even look at it from a week to week situation. Who is a guy who might be capable of stepping up? Is it J.J. Taylor? Can you expand the offensive options a little bit and, and look at a guy? I don't know, like, you know, if you you could ask, uh, you know, Damian Harris to be more of a presence, pass-catching presence out of the backfield, or that might be too much really on his plate, at least as it stands right now. But But White, for me, over the first two-plus weeks, was probably their most dependable offensive option. If you don't have him, how does this offense change moving forward?
1: You really, he really hit it. I mean, and I, and I agree with you. I think that he was arguably the best offensive player that they had. And I think that without him, I mean, we saw what some of the, the issues can be, right? So you had, you know, between the two of them uh, JJ Taylor and Brandon Bolden had one rushing yard on four <laughs> attempts. And then I think it was something like they, they had like 26 receiving yards or something like that combined between them, even when, They were you know, going to the pass late in the game when they got down, and that just simply isn't good enough. I think if you're looking at skill set, it's probably a blend of of Bolden and Taylor, but I feel like I I almost am more interested in what Taylor can do because I think he's a bit more explosive. Um, I think they tried to get him a little bit more involved in the passing game today, and it just didn't really materialize. Bolden is is a dependable special teamer, but I think he's just he's just limited in what he can do, in, you know, on offense. And I think we saw that today. It wasn't entirely his fault that somebody was handing him the ball when they really shouldn't have been. <laughs> um, but but again, I think that uh, without James White, I mean, especially you know, looking at the Bucks. Right. And even looking looking at this game, he's a guy. Who you can count on, even, you know, though he's, he's been in the league, you know, you know, for, for quite a few years, you can count on him to win one-on-one matchups. Mm-hmm. I don't know that you can count on any one of those other running backs to win a one-on-one matchup with a linebacker and just and just make a play in the open field. That to me is is a massive problem. And I think that probably what's going to happen is this is gonna put more on Jacoby Myers' plate more than likely because he is Mac Jones's security blanket right now. And James white is arguably, you know, maybe, maybe the second one, but I think that this is, you know, could result in him forcing the ball towards Myers even more
0: hindsight's always 2020. But when you look at the white injury and you look at this, you know, Stevenson's issues, uh, you you sit here and you say, well, maybe you don't trade Sony Michelle. You know, <laughs> you know maybe yeah. maybe this is a guy who you know he didn't have the pass catching skills, obviously that James White has, but maybe he's the kind of guy who, at least in the short term, could have gotten you through a situation like this when you you know you have two backs that you just can't turn to. The other thing too, I think in this situation. I'm gonna be interested to see, and obviously the skill set is way different between Stevenson and White, but if we see Stevenson start to get more reps moving forward just out of, you know, pure necessity than anything else at this point.
1: Yeah. And, and you know what? I think that as you're saying that the thing that, that Stevenson is going to have to show, I mean, obviously there's the ball security part, you know, he can't fumble, but he's got to show improvement in, in pass protection. And I think that that's, you know, uh, on a broader point, even, I think that's something that even Damian Harris, you know, in allowing a sack on Mac Jones today. I mean, I saw you know, Mike, Giardi, you know mentioned that perhaps you know, Mac Jones set a little bit deeper on his drop than Harris was expecting, but you've seen this on a couple of occasions where you got a play action fake and the running back is coming up and they know that there's, you know, potentially going to be somebody there, but they can't adjust quickly enough to make the block and it's led to sacks. And I think that's an area where you're also going to miss James White. You need a guy to stand in there and pick up the blitz. Mm-hmm. And so that, I mean, if, if Stevenson can progress in that, then I think we might see maybe the the healthy scratches, you know, start to reduce, especially if, if white is gone, I feel like he would be an interesting wild card in this because he can catch the ball out of the backfield and he's got a little bit of elusiveness and juice. So, I mean, as unfortunate as it is to think of it in these terms, I think that this could be a really interesting opportunity for him regarding Michelle. I mean, I, I wonder how much he could have done in this game, or, or you know, or how much they would have allowed him to do, rather, I should say, because they phased Damian Harris out of the game pretty quickly when things weren't working on the ground. They could have run him more, but you know, even when the game was still kind of in hand, they were just like, Nope, we got to go to the pass. So this was probably a game where they might have ended up shelving Sony Michelle too but it, it's worth wondering because I think he showed a little bit extra in the passing game than we were expecting. Um, in the end though, that's the decision that they made. And now I think that you know, the, the rookie, they need to see what he can do. Um, they need to get him up to speed.
0: Ultimately, what was the biggest surprise for you when it came to Sunday's loss?
1: The sloppiness all around every phase And, you know, we, we mentioned this kind of in the open, right. But, you know, from, from the offensive line, you know, just not having the communication down the coverage breakdowns that allowed, um, the big, you know, Kenny stills catch. And then you had, uh, you know, the, the Camara touchdown, that was too easy. John Smith's drops, one of them resulted in six points for the other team, Jake Bailey, you know, another kickoff going out of bounds. And yeah, that that was a
0: surprise. That was a surprise.
1: And then two mishit punts that ended up in touchbacks. And, and then, of course, you, you also you had the blocked punt. You had penalties on the punt team. You had them give up a 25 yard return to Deontay Harris, which they did not want him touching the ball at all. And he got an opportunity and he set up a touchdown drive. So, I mean, it's just just really in in no phase of the game today could you say that they look smooth, efficient or even like consistently competent throughout the entire game? And I think again, right like for there to be mistakes you know or like one you know unit doesn't quite have it going right I mean some that just happens right but for every unit to look like that, that was really surprising to me.
0: It really was. I, I, I'll, let's move forward here. ultimately really, this is my, probably my last question here. Setting aside all of the Tom Brady-related drama, and as we sit here right now, the Bucs have lost to the Rams, so it's going to be interesting to see how Tampa Bay responds next week against New England. You know, the fact that Brady's coming back, Gronkowski, Antonio Brown, all of the Patriots-related baggage. Let's set it to the side because there's going to be enough of it over the course of the week. Is this team, are the Patriots ready to face, even at home, the defending Super Bowl champions? Probably not.
1: Um, and, and I mean, it's like they, they might show us something, uh, you know, in, in rebound because this is a veteran team right at, at its core. And they've got guys who have been around the block and they played in big games. But again, to have this kind of performance before the, you know, you know, the, the, the game that's circled on everybody's NFL calendar. Like I just you can't have that. And, and I think that the thing that's really going to be interesting is you can score on that defense. I mean, uh, through three games, you know, the, the Bucks have given up points and, and they gave up four touchdown passes to Matthew Stafford. I mean, they're blowing coverages, too. They let Deshaun, you know, Jackson, you'll know, roam wide open for a 75 yard touchdown. So it's like if, if the Patriots offense, you know, were were able to be on, it's like they could probably stay in this game. The problem is, again, what did you see in week one? You know, against you know heavy, heavy blitzes, the offense wasn't very explosive, and Mac Jones is going to get hit a lot again, probably. And then on the other side of the ball, I mean, who do you take away, right? They they have so many they have so many weapons, and I think this could be the instance where Tom Brady just knows what they want to do on defense. I mean, obviously you could say the reverse, right? Like they know him very well. They know Gronk very well. But I don't they don't have the the 2019 defense here. You can have that secondary if if you want it. And I feel like the Bucks have the weapons to exploit it and then obviously you have Gronk who is, you know, looking a little bit more like his old self to start the year. Who who's going to stop him? So, I think that this is setting up to be a rough one. Next Sunday, and you know, at the same time, this is the NFL. Anything could happen. Could be Mac Jones's coming out party, you know, where he throws for three hundred yards and lights it up. But the reality of the situation is that that's probably not going to happen, and the Bucks are gonna we're gonna walk out of this one with a win.
0: This feels like an opportunity. I'm not. I'm not. And this is a a big stretch here, but this feels like an opportunity. For this team to have an on to Cincinnati moment, where where look, everyone's counting. Yeah, and this is maybe what Belichick is telling them this week, or going to tell them this I week. Don't. Look, everyone's counting you out. You have no chance. You know, look at these odds. Look at what people are saying about you. Let's draw a line in the sand here. Let's see what you have. You know, character wise. So, I, look, I, I do. As we sit here right now, I, I think the I, I think I saw the Bucks installed as something like a seven point favorite which feels about right. But you know, who knows? It, it is. It's going to be interesting to see, like you said, this is the NFL and this is how, you know, the, things kind of all, all, all shake out moving forward. I, I'll say this. It's going to be a fun week to cover the team. I think it's going to be interesting. I think there's, there are a lot of different possibilities here. When you look at this game and you look at the angles again, setting aside all the Brady Gronk stuff, what are some of the things that you're most, I guess this is my last question. What are some of the things that you're most excited about this week when it comes to covering this game, the angles, and then once you dive into the numbers.
1: I think it'll be interesting to see uh, again, right. When I, when I watched this game, how did Mac Jones respond to you know, some of the pressure that was thrown at him this week. And are there going to be opportunities for him next week to once again, take advantage of some of these matchups and be more aggressive? Is this going to be a situation where, you know, you get, you got the, the, the old guy, you know, versus the new kid, is he going to be, you know, motivated to, you know, kind of show something and be like, hey, you know what, like I'm arrived. This is my team now. This is my house. And I think that, again, you know, there, there will be opportunities for Mac Jones to make plays next week. I think that he, he made a couple today and he showed that, you know, he's, he's tough. You know, he can stand in there. He can take the beating and he can, and he can keep on coming. And I feel like that's going to be very interesting to me also, I, I think that I'm going to be interested to see how this Patriots front can get to Tom Brady, potentially. Because in, in the past, teams that have beaten the Patriots with Tom Brady at quarterback, a lot of them had something in common. They hit him a lot. They hit him. They threw him off his game. I'm going to be interested to see, you know, who's the weak link on that Bucks line how can the Patriots take advantage of it? You know, is this going to be a situation where, you know what, Matthew Judon shows up and has, you know, a monster game. Could they get Josh Uche back and a little bit more of that explosiveness off the edge? Could this be the opportunity for him? So I think that, you know, again, the, the keys are going to be, um, you know, getting to Tom Brady and, you know, throwing him off. Don't let him get comfortable. And then really, as, as you mentioned, it's unfortunate that it's kind of at this point but it feels like this is going to be on Mac Jones. You know, you, you don't want it to be that way in an ideal standpoint, but does he have a little bit of something that he can, that he can summon here to have his big coming out moment on national television against the guy that, you know, he is kind of the heir apparent to
0: Kyrie. Thanks for your time man. let people know where they can read you and how they can follow you on Twitter.
1: Absolutely. You can check out my work and the work of our great sports team on boston.com. And you can follow me at KD Thompson five on Twitter. Thanks so much for having me, Chris.
0: Hey, Kyrie, I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. And I look forward to doing this later in the season. Thanks a lot.
1: Absolutely.
0: Thank you for listening to believe.